This is an RNZ podcast. They say it takes a village to raise a child. I'm Catherine Ryan, and here we draw on my conversations with experts on Nine to Noon to help you navigate family life. All children get angry at times, often when overtired, fighting with siblings, or when they perceive they're being treated unfairly. But for some children, anger and aggression can explode for no apparent reason. What's going on, and how can parents and caregivers respond? Parenting coach and educator Joseph Dreesen says there are ways to reduce and eliminate these episodes. Kia ora, Joseph. Welcome. Kia ora. Kia ora, Catherine. Can you hear me well? I can hear you really well. Thanks for being with oh, us. Oh, excellent. So, excellent. So some anger is normal for all children, Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and most parents know that. Like most parents would realize, okay, my child is a bit tired, or they're disappointed, or they had a bit of a tiff, and they can they can see the cause and the effect of it, and that is not really a problem. Most parents know that quite well. And um, but what is different that some children seem to be unpredictably uh, a little bit aggressive or angry, and they seem to mix it up with being kind and caring and but it's unpredictably unpredictable you can't see any reason for it and um and that's what i'm really want to talk about because some children uh, develop actually what's called a sort of ambivalence about their relationship because of a number of reasons and it's really interesting actually to for parents to think about that and uh, and to and to uh, perhaps upskill themselves a little bit so the first thing is that sometimes children seem to be, say, mix up being kind and caring to their parent with a, then a sort of a little episode of, of anger or aggression. And, and, and it's quite bewildering. Why is that? Uh, sometimes it happens when the parent is giving attention to other children and suddenly you get this little outburst. Or sometimes it is because the parent is busy and they've got to do something else and they maybe not pay quite enough attention and the child lashes out. And so I just thought to explain this in the terms of what's called an ambivalent attachment. Ambivalent means that you're hot and cold about something. You've got mixed feelings about it. So if you say ambivalent about going on a trip, then you would like to go, but also there are some downsides and you don't want to go. When a child develops their attachment to their parents and to other relationships and and they develop an ambivalence about it, that is they have sort of mixed feelings about it. And and the reason is that and those mixed feelings come up all the time. So the child if the child could talk, say we're talking about a very small child, if they could talk rationally like an adult, they would say I like receiving your love, mum or dad, and it's nice, but there has also been quite a few episodes where something happened to me and it wasn't nice. And, and so when you're nice to me, that triggers both the good and the bad. And I'm giving you both. <laughs> so the child might, for example, a classic example would be a child, say, um, <clears throat> sitting on your knee and you're, giving, you're reading it a story and then, and then suddenly sort of it squeezes you or, or sometimes even bites you or suddenly lashes out or makes a horrible comment. And you think, what, why was that? In some ways, the child is saying, I am not certain that being loved by anybody is actually always perfectly nice and that something has happened to me which which has has been bad for me so i'll give an example of say a small child who's had a real big knock now the real big knock could be a divorce 
or it could be their parent passing away. I'm talking about something really major. And, and the child is rocked in their perception that being loved as a child is just a wonderful experience which you can totally rely upon. Like if your parent passes away, well, that's obviously not the case. And so that, that or when there's a big divorce and, you, and one of your parents leaves you and suddenly you don't see them anymore, that's a big knock. And so adults can deal with these knocks by talking about it to their friends and getting counseling and going through a big grief cycle and eventually come to terms with it. But often children, they can't do that by themselves and they, they, they are stuck with these ambivalent feelings. And so, for example, say a child has had something really bad happen to them, like say a parent passes away. And then they're only five or something like that. Well, that's a major, major thing. And so when then the other parent says, well, you know, I'm going to love you doubly much because I care for you and you need all my love. If the child could talk, they would say, well, last time a parent loved me, it went badly, you know, and I'm now in a, in a grief cycle, if I could articulate that. The grief cycle goes from being attached, losing it, getting sad and getting angry. And so for a while, the child might not even react to, to the passing away of their parent, but suddenly they start playing up. They start acting up. They start becoming angry and they're starting throwing things around and, and they, or they might, they might start swearing at the parent or losing their temper. And, and the more nice the parent is, the worse it gets. And basically what the child is saying what happened to me hasn't been processed and when you love me, <clears throat> you remind me what the hell is going on and, and, and I don't know how to deal with it. So, so I, think, I think my listeners will understand what I'm talking about now, but it could not just be death of a parent, it could be divorce or it could be maybe the parent has made a mistake by being too aggressive or too angry too often. So after a while the child says, well, you know, my parent loves me. But sometimes they don't. And you might say, well, it's your fault. You should have put your Lego away or you should have eaten your veggies before your pudding or whatever, whatever the reason is to this small child. But they don't understand that. They just feel mom loves me and sometimes she loves me not. And she loves me and then she loves me not. And and so, you know, we all go through little tips with our children, etc. But if, if it's a long-term process, the child ends up with an ambivalent attachment, meaning I'm not sure that to be loved is actually a perfectly positive thing. And I'm putting on the table those unprocessed feelings, those unprocessed memories, because I've got no other way of doing it. I just act them out. And, and so just sticking to this small child as an example, later on I'll go to a teenager. It's really interesting for us to realize how to manage that. Because let's say you've got a little child who's had something bad happen to them for whatever reasons. And they suddenly lash out and angry and kick things and throw and throw some legal around and they seem unpredictably angry. If you return that anger, if you say, well, that's really naughty of you, then actually if you now have these two dialogues retranslated into adult language, the child says, I am not certain about being loved wholeheartedly without also experiencing pain because that's what happened to me. I don't know how to process it, so I'm putting it on the table now. And then if you get angry and say, well, that's really bad, go to your room because you're just such a naughty, naughty, naughty little boy, etc., etc., then the child says, see, 
you, you've proven it to me. That is, this relationship is good and bad. You've anger at me. I don't know why. Anyway, you could say to the child, well, you started that, but they're only five. You know, they have no understanding. They do this unconsciously. And so our natural reaction of dealing with children who are persistently nice and a little bit not nice, of getting angry with them, will only make it way worse. It will only make it confirm to the child that the next interaction with the parent will also be a bit of good and a bit of bad. And so to get out of that, a parent has to be a little bit more skillful than with a normal happy child, you know, where you can just tell them off and say, come on, we're not doing that. I'm disappointed with you. Go and sit in your thinking chair and think about it and don't do this again. With this pattern of repeated behavior, that's, that's not the right way to go. If you want to go back to the translation, the child says, I'm not sure about our relationship because how often will I get a bad thing happening to me? Your response should be, never. I'm going to love you unconditionally and, and, and I will take that pain away. And so it's very counterintuitive that some of these children kind of uh, spit a dummy at you to actually respond to kindness. Does it mean to say you accept it? So it's, it's quite a skill set. You say, well, let's not do that. You know, you know, we had a wonderful time. I don't think you should be throwing Lego at me. There's no need for that. You know, let's, you can divert and distract a child and just soothe it out and calm it down and just, but don't get angry. Just, just realize what they are doing is actually sort of processing their sadness and grief in their own little unskilled way. The anger just reinforces the behaviour, as you say, because the behaviour the is, re- the behavior yeah. is there to test the situation, and if you reinforce it, it's going to be tested again and again. Yeah, and you confirm to the child their vision or their feeling that love relationships are a mixture of, of being nice and not being nice, and the parent is heavily into that. So what you've got to do as a parent, you've got to, you've got to just Diffuse the situation, calm it down, and calm the child down, and stay positive, and then actually say, when they look, you know, actually, I love you a lot. The weird thing is, if you say, I love you a lot, you know, and I know you got a bit angry with me, but there's no reason for that. Just give me a big hug. And, and you say to the child, the child says, our relationship is kindness and pain, and you say, our relationship is kindness and no pain. And you keep on doing that. Kindness and pain, kindness and pain, you say kindness. That is, you keep on repaying the child with their anger and aggression with actually unconditional love. Now, that's the first step. Then the next step is you want to proactively try and prevent the next episode by actually being more kind to them. That is even more counterintuitive. The child says, well, the parent thinks, well, God, we had a big row yesterday, you know what I mean, and, and, and today I'm a bit grumpy about it, so why should it be nice to this kid? But in fact, you should be, because they will, you want to reinforce that I love you wholeheartedly and there's no need for this negativity in our relationship. So you do that with this little child. Then once you keep on doing that, then you can sit down with the child and actually start talking about it and say, well, sometimes you really get grumpy with me and, you know, I don't like it. Mum doesn't like it. You know, no, I'm not doing it to you. So why don't we stop that, you know, and just love each other and, and just give me a big hug. That is, you start to articulate to the child what they're doing and actually that helps them process it. That's helped them process it. So this cycle I recommend to the parents, and I'll go and give an an example of a teenager in a minute, is not to react angrily with the negative behavior, 
divert, diffuse, but stop it. You say, I don't like it. Then to actually reach out to the child in love and, and give them a positive experience. Then to prevent the next episode, <clears throat> to reassure them of your love and to make sure that you eliminate in any of your behaviors, uh, which reminds them of of what happened, but say, if they had a trauma in their past, you can't do that. You just have to, you heal a child by trauma through love, by constant loving them. And then eventually, one, once this cycle is now on a better pathway, that is, you are not reacting, but keeping on loving, you're starting to say to the child, but this is not so nice. Can we talk about why you do that? And, and, and do you think you should perhaps make it up to me a little bit when you have these little episodes? So that's my proposal for a small child. And, and small children often are unreasonably angry and aggressive when they have experienced grief. As an aside, as an aside, I would recommend to all parents who have who, whose children go through grief, whether it's divorce or, or, or somebody passing away or something big happen, is to actively search out some play therapy. Um, and so that children can and, and also search out art therapy and so that children can sort of process their subconscious pain without going through the phase of getting angry. So having said that, I just would like to now go, say, to a teenager. Now, a teenager can do this as well, but their, their skill set is much greater, but sometimes it's equally irrational. They might have a um, uh, something might have happened to them. For example, they might have uh, gone through a big divorce and they've never really got over it, or their family. Or, um, you know, um, they went through a phase where them and their parents were offside and it has never been resolved. And so they keep on bringing it up subconsciously by refusals and being rude and being snide remarks and just when you don't expect it. And I propose that the same thing should happen. The parent just observes this behavior, this repeated, I love you and I love you not behavior. And they say, well, I don't like this behavior, so let's not do that. You divert and distract, etc., etc. And then you, then you reach out to the teenager when they've calmed down and you say, but I love you a lot, you know, and we're a team of two. Um, and this family loves you greatly. That is, you respond to the positive and the negative bit to being positive. And then you try and prevent those episodes by actually going out of your way to strengthen your relationship with a teenager. It might be taking them out for lunch or might be taking them to the movies or might be playing some games with them together. You know, that is, you make a bit bigger effort to try and heal that ambivalence. And once that's on the road and you think, well, I'm getting somewhere, then you should discuss it with the teenager and say, you know, in this family or, or me, I just I just like to be positive and caring and, and I would like us to, to remove the negativity. So maybe can we talk about why you're a little bit angry or, or can you can you react to it better? And that cycle will you have to repeat over and over again. And then once you reach that stage you can say to the teenager, Do you think you you should you should repair this relationship a little bit. You should do a little bit better and try and make up for when you have an episode where you're obviously actually doing something to me which is not good and you should make up for that. So that cycle is the same. It's a counterintuitive cycle. 
It is seeing, understanding that the child is ambivalent subconsciously about the relationship because they have associated negative aspects of the relationship and they, they combine that as a, um, uh, as, a, as a combination and they keep on giving it to you and you keep on responding by saying, actually, I'm giving you a, a, a really caring relationship back. Okay, so. I've got some questions, but let's answer the ones that have come in from listeners. What is a good yep. book for a 13-year-old boy to read to understand his own anger impulses and how to deal with them? Bright boy, but like most, he can sometimes fall back into the reptilian brain and lash out. I think that lashing out, the parents should actually ask themselves why are they lashing out and what are the precipitating factors? And then they need to do this exact cycle where they talk with the child and say, can we do this a little bit better? And then for the child to actually realize that having these little mood swings and become Jacqueline Hyde and become super aggressive is actually not acceptable, but they, it needs to stop. But I'm proposing to this parent is that the reptilian brain needs to be controlled by resisting it, by correcting it, but by actually modeling to the child that we're going to take this out of the relationship. And so the child itself needs to realize this can't be part of this relationship, which is done partly by the parent resisting it, but mostly by the parent modeling and talking about, let's not do this in this family. Let's not do this to each other. For the, parent, for the child who can't control themselves, then often if they're reptilian, then often a displacement behavior is really cool. So that is, you can coach them. If you get really angry with me, why don't you just, you know, um, just say, say to me, I'm really angry now and I'm going to go to my room and slam the door. Well, that's better than throwing things around. That is, coach the child. You can manage your anger in a better way by using language and by doing uh, um, uh energizing yourself in a more a less unacceptable way okay is there anything you can do this is a very optimistic question <laughs> is no. there anything you can do with younger children babies to prepare for regulating emotions like anger in toddlerhood and beyond well um the more a baby is loved to bits and the more they are uh, the more they are soothed and bathed in love the less likely is that their anger neurological anger will be precipitated and so a child a little baby needs regularity routines kindness and love and not overstimulation and that usually does the job um, but in toddlers toddlers go through their anger phases which is quite normal like um like they're irrationally angry at the most bizarre things and but it's sort of like for example they suddenly don't want to eat their yogurt and they suddenly don't want to eat, wear this and do that and but that is a little bit different. They basically become autonomous. They're saying to their parent, well, you can make me eat this and do that and do that, but I'm my own person. And so they're struggling with the regulation of their anger, which activated right about the terrible twos. But again, the same thing needs to happen. The parent needs to react to it with calmness and care and just say, but we don't do that here. You know, let's, let's not do that. And so the, care, the parent models calmness and care and keeps on speaking to the child because it's their speaking 
part of their brain which will help them self-regulate. So after a while, the child might say, the parent might say, well, you've got to learn to control yourself, you know. And the terrible too is that we'll be up and down, up and down. But this persistence of the parents caring, resisting without aggression and anger, and then asking the child to make it up, which actually will get the child through that phase. Okay. But the terrible twos is a normal phase. A couple more coming, three more actually, yes. so let's focus them. Yes, sure. uh, how do you intercede with the aggressive behaviour when it's directed at a younger sibling without telling them and showing anger, five-year-old and nearly three-year-old? Yeah, that's a wonderful question. The key is not to show anger. Uh, don't get anger, get even. No, I'm joking here, but what I'm saying is anger is just so counterproductive. The first reason why the child is doing this angry behavior of the sibling, it's a basically sibling rivalry. And it's basically an ambivalence about having this little three-year-old in the house when I had mum all to myself, and now I've got to share this with this little monster, you know what I mean? And that's a very ancient biological reaction. And again, the same advice is, to say to the child, we don't do that, please, please don't do that. And then, and if need to, separate the children and say, if you if you hurt the three-year-old, then you can't play with them, you know, you've got to, you've got to play in your own room by yourself and just be peaceful. Stay calm and caring and say, but we don't want that here. If you get angry with this child, you are just reinforcing this whole cycle. And so we don't do that here, and, and I would like you to make it up to the child and, and to me, and then I'm going to give you more hugs and more cuddles because I reckon, I reckon for many children who are five and who are angry with three-year-olds, it's because they miss their mum. They miss that exclusive attachment and they wish they could get more attention rather than less. And so when that's on the table, when they're saying, I'm going to whack this little three-year-old because I want my mum all to myself, which I'm really missing, and then the mum goes angry with them, that even makes it worse. Okay, same thing, that calm response. My brother's small son used to bite him suddenly. He was born three months premature with lots of needles stuck in him. Could he be traumatised through uh, to that, uh, due to that, and react this way? His parents are very kind to him, but suddenly he bites them. Yes, yes, I would say yes. I would say that child has got ancient memories of pain and and associated with you know I'm, I'm born on earth here we are this is the family what a wonderful ride this is you know getting needles stuck into me all day and they have an edginess about with those unprocessed memories and i would propose they should listen to my podcast carefully and deal with that but i would propose that the child needs play therapy and art therapy and play therapy is very simple it's actually you just allow, allow the child to play but the child the parent sits next to them while they play and i bet you bottom dollar that that child will start surfacing in their play some negativity what happened to them and um and i had a wonderful example of de- of dealing with a child who had a similar situation and uh, and she chose uh, a play of a lego set in hospital and she sat there for an hour and a half playing with that hospital set uh, while i just sat next to her and and just smiled at her and said you know in my in my actions kind of i really care about you and that was an important step in her healing okay and so you can go to a child psychotherapist although they're scarce as hands teeth but a play therapist or a art therapist would do just very um as succinct as we can be reasonably on this one what about if the adult is the ambivalent one and by that i guess i mean has got the trauma yeah that's very sad um um a lot of domestic uh, aggression and anger is between two adults with ambivalent attachments. And, and if the parent has that, 
then somehow it's very hard for a parent, for an adult, to revisit their childhood and see how these patterns have formed. And um, um, But the best thing to do with a parent like that is to have somebody sit down with them and say, um, your role as a parent is to provide positive leadership. And, and if you are reacting to your child sort of irrationally and ambivalently and aggressively, you're really on the wrong pathway, both morally and emotionally. And you've got to sort of try and heal yourself and grow out of that. That is a big job. That's a very big job for an adult to actually understand what happened to them in their childhood and their ambivalence attachment because they just react. It gets activated. Their child is naughty, so I'm going to get really angry with them because they're really bad. You know what I mean? Many adults take it all personally. They think the child is doing this on purpose against them, and so they want to retaliate. But that's they need to go into a pathway of healing and, and sort of a, a more moral pathway. Thank you. Parenting coach and educator Joseph Dreesen.